created live on Fireside. Welcome to YNS Live. I am your host, Juliette Hahn, and I'm going to read a little bit about my next guest who you see already, which I know I say all the time how excited I am, but I am super pumped for my next guest. Lisa was a wildly successful stand-up comedian who frequented the Howard Stern Show and Comedy Central Roast. She was known as an insult comic who did some blue and racially charged humor. Lisa is now the host of the brand new podcast, Losers with a Dream. Welcome, Lisa Lampanelli. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's so weird to be doing Fireside at noon my time. And like, oh my God, this is weird. But hey, you know, you do what you got to do. Exactly. Well, I'm just, thank you again for, um, you know, joining. I'm just, I love this platform, Fireside, because I love the people that I've been in contact with. But I also love that we can be broadcasting in so many different areas. So like right now we are live on LinkedIn. So if you guys are listening in on LinkedIn, if you're listening in on Twitch, Facebook, or Twitter, welcome, welcome. And just wanted to say hello to Michelle, Chris, Jen, uh, Daniel, and Mark for joining the show. We are super excited. Um, Lisa, I can't wait to dive into your story right now. This is one of the things that, as I, you know, I said to you when I, when I uh, approached you, I was a huge fan, huge fan. Um, I loved your acts. You were just so real and, um, and so raw. And I really loved that. I loved that about you. And, but I love the pivot that you've done now because I think it's just so amazing with this world that where we are. Um, and so I would love for you to talk about the podcast, but first I do want you just to give us a little background for those that are just joining that, you know, maybe don't know your story. Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, started comedy when I was about almost 30, I think. So I was in the business for about 30 ish years. Um, probably a little less. And it just became really something I started to notice wasn't as joyful for me anymore as it was in the beginning. So in the beginning, when you start comedy, I mean, the, my best memories are where I would sit around at the diner with a bunch of comics, open micers, and we'd think about jokes and we'd start writing stuff and say, okay, if you don't try it next week, I'm taking it. It was just camaraderie. And then you get so single-minded focus of like selling tickets and making sure that the, you know, Carnegie Hall sells out or Radio City and just media all the time that I was like, well, this just is a lot the life that I want anymore. And it was pretty unheard of, I guess, for a comic to retire. And I mean, I guess everybody retires though, eventually, like you're allowed to not do something anymore. I didn't like social media. I thought it was horrible. I was like, oh my God, do I have to do this in order to stay quote unquote relevant? And then it's funny, ever since retiring three years ago, I like social media because there's no pressure. Right. It's, you have fun. I like Instagram. I just believe it or not, at 60 years old, got on TikTok and I'm like, Yay. oh my God, it's fun and silly and cute. And if you just look at everything as like, is everything in my date book fun and fulfilling in a, even if it's in a tiny way, you go, well, this is something I have a clue that I want to keep doing. And even if people can't do what I did, which is get out of a business, you can at least start noticing in your life what feels right in your soul instead of what's just busy, busy, busy achieving. Yes. 
And you know, and I love that you just said that because as you were paused, I was starting to say, because I listened to your episode 25. And so I would love for you to jump into Losers with the Dream. But one thing that you said in there that I was like, yes, this is why I wanted to have you on because I've heard you talk a little bit about passion and purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So you asked one of your your co-hosts, you have Nick and Bo, you asked them, what was being a comedian to them versus being a skateboarder? And you said, like, what um, what are you getting out of this? And or and what why are you getting out of it? Like, what is the the difference? And what it came out of, it was passion. And that's what I talk about it all the time about passion. When you lose passion in something, you need to double check yourself, right? Because it's not, um, you know, I truly thank you guys. I truly believe that we all have. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a lot of stuff. We all have a purpose in life, right? Whether you believe in God or the universe, we all have a purpose and not everyone finds that purpose, right? And well, I really well, I think I think honestly I'm going to get a lot of booze because you just got a lot of claps and I'm going to <laughs> the opposite which is yes, purpose is fine, but people drive themselves insane looking for purpose with a capital P and if everything you do has purpose with a small p from getting a cup of coffee to feeding the dog to, you know, just saying hi to the guy at Starbucks, whatever it is, your purpose could be a small p purpose, which is I'm going to be positive and nice to people today. A hundred percent. So the insane amount of self-help stuff and noise there is out there about finding your passion and your purpose drives people like us crazy because we think we have to live big. And I think there's something really nice about living small, living very sort of like purposeful in every task. And if you never find that big P, it doesn't matter because you weren't supposed to. No, right. And that, so I love that you just said that because I 100% agree with that. Not everyone's purpose is, is a big one. It could be something small, but it's about feeling that. So I always tell people when you have a passion, it can be about feeling. But yeah, so that's my my point is like that purpose of just having a small little thing is to make these two dogs that I have, you know, live a better life. I rescued, we rescued them both. But also it brings me this purpose in my life is that's when I found the most, find the most clarity. I can daydream, right. I can think, I can create, and that's where I do it. So I love that you asked your, you know, your co-host about that. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about it because I think when you said you kind of lost your passion for stand up and right. you pivoted. So can you touch on that a little bit and then how you found the podcast? Yeah. It's really interesting how, again, you know, Daniel Day Lewis retired from acting. I retired from stand up, but you don't hear about a lot of people stopping in art form. I think it's because everyone dreams about making a living at that thing and they can't believe somebody walked away. So until somebody is in it and is, is very successful. They can't really get their head around walking away from it. But the fact is, you know, again, everybody retires, everybody eventually goes, wow, I don't want to be the mailman anymore or whatever the secretary, whatever they do. So I just started noticing. And I think the thing is, I just noticed even the hotels and the travel and this, that it doesn't offer real connection to real things and real people. And a connection with an audience isn't real. It's an artificial construct. It's connection with individuals that count. So, of course, I love the backstage stuff when, you know, people would come back and you'd have those tearful moments of that you helped them through something or whatever with laughter. But I want a more individual connection. So I was like, I'm going to get out of this. 
I'm just going to see what appears. And I had several missteps after retirement. I tried to be, you know, sort of leading workshops on food and body image because I had lost so much weight. I tried to be a life coach and I hated it because I don't like accompanying people on their journey unless it's at the pace I set, which is by the right. most horrible coach in the world. So I'm like, oh, I just want to open up and see what fills the emptiness. But you can't get to the next thing without the emptiness first. Something rushes in to fill it after you've had the grief and the loss of identity and anything else that accompanies leaving something, whether it's a relationship or a marriage or a career. So luckily, you know, I kind of powered, not powered through, I let the emptiness happen and these two guys, Nick and Bo, these new starting comics appeared through a relative. And I was like, wow, they're really deep. And this podcast seems like a cute idea. So I, anytime I say cute, I'm like, okay, let's try it. I'm like, why not? What's the worst that can happen? I quit. doesn't matter. And I ended up having such soulful discussions with them. I was so shocked because they're millennial young guys, straight guys. I'm like, oh, they're deep. And guys my age, Back in when I was 30, we weren't talking like that. <laughs> so every week we attack like some very big issue, like vulnerability, or as you said, passion, acceptance, fear of success, things that, you know, that age group really cares about. And we just have a real frank discussion about it. Plus, you know, I'll admit I'm a comic, so I do have to make fun of them a fair amount. So of course you have, you have to roast. I mean, you wouldn't be yourself if you weren't roasting yeah. a little no, bit, right? A little bit of, you know, and also like they don't know everything. So it's kind of fun to like school them a little bit. So I love doing it. And again, everything I do now, I try to look in my book and say, okay, some things are a necessary evil, but for the most part, the things I'm electing to bring in, I they have a good charge and not one that will drain me at the end of the day. And I think we can all start just noticing those little things. Right. And I and I, I do love what you said about the life coaching, because I think that is really an important thing, because there's so many people out there, you know, the word coach became so big and everyone was coaching. And, you know, I actually started out as a virtual health and fitness coach because that was what I was good at. Um, and I was good at it for a long time. And then there was a time where I was like, I'm not a therapist. Like there's something that's draining me, but I really learned a lot about myself and how I, you know, showed up for my clients and how I was a leader. And that then led me to what I'm doing now. Right. So there's so yeah. many different things, those paths. And I love those paths that kind of lead us to where we are meant to go, whether it's big or small, as you said. So can you um, just like, bring us up to also speed when you uh, started the podcast, when you were like, okay, this is cute. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a try. Right. Yeah. Cause yeah. right. We have, we do, as you said, try things because you don't know if you're going to like it or not. So what were the, th the couple things that you loved, like kind of lit you on fire again and got you that feeling again. And then I'm going to take it to the other side. Like what were a couple of things that you were like, eh, Oh, hold on. I need to work through this. Well, I'm a big Yenta, so I love to give advice. And of course, there's a uh, way too much advice giving out there. But I'm like, okay, if I could just tell my story and show what I went through, these guys and the audience could potentially relate and possibly move ahead through that. So just sharing my story is really, I'm an open book. I've never hit anything. I always told my publicist back years ago, I was like, I, I'm like, you'll never find out anything that's hidden about me. It's all out there. I just will talk about any subject whatsoever. So don't worry about that. So I love getting on the air. I love 
not having the pressure to be funny all the time on the show, but letting it naturally happen like we do. So all those things felt really good. Also, I love planning. I'm a big control freak who loves schedules and planning like, okay, what are we talking about this week? And okay, go deep on this and asking the guys questions and stuff. Plus figuring out social media stuff, which is such a, you know, it's hard to figure out exactly what'll work, you know, TikTok wise, whatever. So I'm like, I like all those parts of it. And honestly, I have to say, there's two things in my life. I think I, I said, I loved every minute of and one was planning my wedding. I'm divorced, but I don't care. That wedding, I loved every planning. It was so much fun. And I honestly could say I love every minute of this podcast and also of the planning. Because even when we have a fight, like last week I was pissed off at one of them big time for four days. And even the resolution was great because we had actually talk. And I'm like, oh, I really love every minute of this thing. And I'm the type, if it doesn't feel right, I kind of adjust, adjust. And then if it does, it's nothing personal, if it doesn't work out. Right. So I think I'm really lucky that I just paid attention to what internally I needed to do. And that felt joyful. Right. And I think I've heard you talk about this before, is that you were, as a stand-up comedian, you know, you were going, 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 and there was a part that fueled you. But then when you stopped is when all of a sudden you were like, oh, crap, (laughs) I got to deal with a lot of stuff that I haven't dealt with and that I didn't really want to deal with. Um, And so can you touch on on that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, first of all, with all of us, we have the disease of busyness. We look in our calendar and if there's a day that's empty, we feel like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what am I going to do? I'll have to actually, oh, I don't know, feel something. Because we're all just, Jim Carrey calls it the United States of avoiding. We have to have food, alcohol, over-exercising, drugs, uh, over-relationships. We have to always be going so that at the end of the day, we fall into bed so tired that we didn't have time to think about stuff that is sad and that we are grieving or that we have to let go and we just keep going. So I had to stop a lot of that busyness and that's freaking hard because then you got to feel stuff. Like two days ago, I had back to back like interviews and I had 10 minutes in between one at eight at night and nine at night. Cause I did some West coast stuff and I'm like about 10 minutes. I walked into my living room. I bought my parents' house after they passed. I walked into the living room and that sadness I'm like, okay, I'm supposed to feel that. Right. It doesn't come without not doing anything for a second. And it's threatening to people because we think we'll never stop grieving or crying. And we always do stop. So um, I think the, the lesson to me is no need to panic. We don't need to schedule every single day and every single minute. And we will feel what we need to because if we don't, we can't move on to something meaningful in the future. Right. Um, and I, you know, there's one thing that I said, and I think, uh, and you probably have heard this before, but I tell my kids all the time. So I have three kids and one of them, I'm like, don't stuff it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you stuff a feeling, I'm telling you, it's going to come out somewhere else and it's not going to be good. And, you know, yeah. it's as an adult, I know there's, I mean, I am like a, 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 anyone that's listening that knows me, they're like, oh, I need to talk. I mean, I, I am a feel like I do talk about feelings. And I do express, but I know that there's stuff that I don't deal with. You know, like I definitely know that we all do. But so my, my kids will always be like, oh, I'm not stuffing. Like if I can, like if I see them like do something, be like, okay, are you stuffing it? And they're like, ma, I'm not stuffing. And I'm like, 
all right, you might be stuffing. Let's, let's talk about this. And I have teenage boys and a tween girl. And so the teenage boys really <laughs> love when I want to talk about feelings and what's going on. But I say to them, it's like really important not to stuff because that's when, that's just when nothing good comes out of it. Well, not to be devil's advocate, but maybe part of the way you're stuffing is to try to control their feelings and how they're feeling it versus how uncomfortable it is to worry about them. Because that's uh, oh. the scariest. I mean, I think parents, I've never felt this until recently because I was always like, oh, you're a mom. Oh, aren't you precious? Dude, it's got to be the hardest job. So see, that only dawned on me after I kind of felt... Wow, taking away those hard edges and going, oh wow, moms really and dads have it really hard. I do not know. I could have never children because of the worry and the fact that you guys have that worry. I admire that you could even do this job of parenting. So, but I think a lot of that worry is just a counselor said to me once: it's love with nowhere to go. So it's just love. So the way I. I sometimes notice the reason I noticed it in you and said that devil's advocate wise was because I do the same thing with nieces and nephews, dogs, everybody. I'm always worried about them. And then I'm like, they're going to have their own journey. And yep. that, I don't know how you do it as a parent. I find it hard to do as a niece and nephew. Well, I literally just said to my husband this morning, <laughs> I said to him, I was like, you know, we have stuff, right? We have like everyone's, and yeah, I, I 100% what you said is 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 true because it is a worry. And I, I know that we're raising good kids. And I say to him, most of the time, I'm like, they're going to turn up okay. But every once in a while, I'm like, <sighs> if they I don't, don't, I know I'll be able to handle it because we're all, we all go through ups and downs, right? So I know they're not, they're not going to always be unscathed. Something's going to happen and yeah. we're going to have to figure it out and, and work it through. I mean, we have done it through the years, you know, but I have three really good kids that make good choices, but it's not always their choices, right? It's others around them and you can't control that stuff. And I'm not, um, I, I'm not by any means a control freak. Like I am pretty good at like letting things go, but there's that one thing like, you know, just kids, this is what I will say to them. And I'm going to say it on here, but I will say, make good choices and don't be dicks. Like, yeah. that's it. Just yeah. make good choices. And <laughs> my favorite people in the world, my niece, Christine, actually, she's, you know, the woman who married my nephew, Blaze. She has a huge podcast called, and that that's why we drink. It's a uh, number four or something every week on the comedy podcast. It's just exploded because they're so real and so millennial and so funny. And she had embroidered me. I have hanging in my uh, bedroom a little embroidered sign that says, don't be a dick. <laughs> it's so hard not to <laughs> Because honestly, I had so much anger and so much I wasn't letting out and stuffing as we talk about with food and busyness. I never was a, food, a drug and alcohol person, thank God. But with I would stuff it with achievement. And so you're stuffing all these feelings and the anger's coming out sideways and I'm being a dick to the point of where, you know, I like when I decided to wake up to all this, I would go into a check into a hotel and go, hi, I stayed here before. Was I mean to you? And they'd go, no. And I go, okay, good. Cause I really like to apologize. <laughs> and we got to call ourselves on our stuff. So my yes. anger has been role modeled to me forever from my mom and it was pain. Anger is just sadness and it's pain. And whenever I see somebody yelling at someone in public, I'm like, they're in a lot of pain. Right. So again, the stuffing is really 
an important thing not to do, but it's so hard not to. Right. Well, and so that's my daughter will say, well, mom, I, like I'm not a dick. And I'm like, no, I know, but it's just a term. Like, just don't be, don't be an asshole. Like just be a good person and look at the people around you and just, just be a good person. But, um, and I will say on what you said, it's so true. Like when you see someone screaming, you're like, oh, they're really hurting. However, if you've ever been to like a kid's soccer game or a high school soccer game and someone's being a little bit of a dick, sometimes I have to be a little bit of a dick back to them. Oh, of <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, dude, we're all a work in progress. We're all going to be horrible sometimes. I mean, you know, and I have to apologize a lot of times. I mean, I'll, I, I, the other day, I think I uh, said something, not mean, but some a misstep, and I it was like gnawing at me with a friend, and I was like, I just got to call and say, I'm really sorry I said that. And she goes, I didn't even notice. But we that. have to get in front of it sometimes. And yes, that's wildly codependent. They should come to us first. But the fact is, if it's gnawing at you on the inside, I don't think there's a problem with getting out in front of it. It's it's erring on the side of caution of somebody you actually care about. Right. And just being like, you know, if I offended you or I would said something, I did not mean it. And that's, that brings me to another point because I will say a lot of times I am someone that says it how it is. If I'm upset with you, I say, you know, I'll say, listen, I'm upset. I didn't like this. I don't let things fester. And I don't really get like, I, it takes a lot to offend me. Like, so I'll have people that be like, oh my gosh, I said that was that. And I'm like, hmm doesn't, I don't get offended. I don't think people are trying to do something to me to hurt me or be rude. Like I just, I'm not that type of person. I think people just do the best that they can. Um, and so it's a really important thing though, to kind of say like, Hey, if I offended you, I'm sorry. But, um, what, as you said, because it is like, if it's bothering you, it's like, you know what, just get it off your chest because it's going to just eat you like up and it's not, it's not worth it. Just be upfront and say it how it is. So with families, you know, there's times where um, I am the one, like, I'll ask my mom, how, how are you? I'm okay. Okay. And then I'll have another, there's, there's five of us. Then I have another sibling. How are you? Mom says she's fine, but I don't think she's fine. And I'm like, oh. if she, if she says she's fine. She's fine. Leave her alone. And my mom will call me and be like, I'm fine. Can you tell everyone I'm fine? I'm really fine. And I'm like, no, I believe you're really fine. I'm like, if you weren't, you know that I'm going to be like, you said you're fine. I'm not, I'm not going to dig because that's not my job, right? You oh, need to do so that. I think that's where all the boundaries come in. And we did a big episode on the podcast about boundaries and they're so hard, but that's like the only way it's such a catchphrase now boundaries, but all it is is basically having rules around any given relationship and going, well, it's the only way you're friends with, you can stay friends or family with anyone by having limits and boundaries because you're just going to resent them. So I have really strict boundaries with the guys on the podcast. I, they know I'm, despite being a former insult comic, I have the thinnest skin ever. Like I literally do not want to be, cause I was in the roast for many years and like yeah. when you're famous, you get, you know, <laughs> thrown your way about your looks or your weight or this, or that, like now that I'm retired, I don't, like any of that stuff. Right. So I, and I realize it is ironic for a insult comic who can't take a joke. I know that's like a pedophile who can't stand children's parties, <laughs> but it's just like, I just don't like it. So they, they don't pussyfoot around me, but they know what's off limits. So again, with boundaries, with family, well, that's so hard, but it's the only way to keep them around, you know, and remind them gently like, Ooh, 
sorry, that's crossing the line again. But we know that's a work in progress every day. Every Right, every day, every day. But I do love that you, you know, with your co-host, as you said, you were, I mean, the roast, I remember those roasts. And it was like, oh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, right? I mean, <laughs> I can't believe they just said that. Um, but so, but you are human and humans have feelings, right? And so you were doing a job then. So it was like, okay, I'm going to put my thick skin on. But now you're like, I did that and I'm done with that. So here are the things that I don't want being talked about. And I think, again, communication is one thing that I think is so sometimes underplayed and so important in life. Mm -hmm. When my husband and I first started dating, I said to him, listen, like I am someone that communicates. I was born with it. It's a gift of mine. You might find it annoying at at some point in our relationship. However, we're going to communicate. So like, don't be stuffing your feelings. If I did something to annoy you, just say, Hey, that annoyed me. Or if you need five minutes and you don't like want me around, you know, just say, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Like I'm not a sensitive flower. So it is a very important thing. So I love that you did the communicating thing with your, with your guest. And do you have any thoughts on the communication? Like, I mean- I mean, I think that I'm, because I talk for a living and I always have, um, I found it easy to say stuff on stage or on the radio or on camera that I might've found it hard to just have the one-on-one conversation with the person and go, oh my God, that hurt my feelings. Or, oh, you know, I don't like that you're never fair about when the bill comes or like stupid stuff. I'm like, oh my God, that's so hard but it's all practice. It's all practice. The more you practice, the better you feel. And I always notice though, there has to be a big safety factor with people. There's someone that I'm now annoyed with in my life that I don't feel safe bringing up what I'm annoyed about because I'm going to be clapped back at, which I don't like anymore. I don't like that kind of agitated conversation. So I'm like, huh, what, would I be braver to just go, I don't feel safe with this person. You bump them down in your head to acquaintance and you see what happens. So again, we're all not going to do it perfectly. We're not going to say everything that comes to our minds. I mean, I think the motto that they use in AA and all those programs is say what you mean, mean what you say, but don't say it mean. And that's hard to stick with. I mean, yesterday I had a big conversation with somebody and I just said, Hey, And I was like, wow, that was very even and no one got mad. It felt really good. You always like having a win like that because then it helps you. But I felt safe with her, so I did it. I don't think a lot of us have a lot of safe people, even if they are friends or family. A lot of family isn't safe because they'll say, ah, you're too sensitive. Ah, you're a big shot now, like all that stuff. So it's, it's just very interesting to me, the dynamic. Right, right. Um, okay, so I want to now segue a little bit into the podcast, like talking about some of your, and I know we're talking about it now, but some of your favorite episodes and ones that you'd, and like literally the one that came right to your head, like, okay, that's my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I love the boundary one because what happened was that the, we were supposed to do an episode on, we decide two days before what we're going to talk about. And so it's simmering in them and me when we start recording. So we decided to do something on, I think, asking for help, which is a great subject that we'll probably do. Um, And literally two minutes, excuse me, two hours before we start recording, Bo calls us and he's like, I just can't do this subject because I'm so in a mess. My brother's 
tried to kill himself last night. Mm-hmm. We are trying to get him to rehab. My family won't stop. And I go, then we need to shift this topic. What feels good to you? He goes, well, I'm trying not to call them back. Um, boundaries. And I'm like, okay. And it's like the rawest episode because yeah, there's humor in it eventually, but he was so freaking distraught over the situation that the boundary one is huge for us because I just felt like, wow, that's really interesting that we can switch like that so quickly and still have enough examples from all our own lives to throw something together. So I love that episode a lot. I also love, to be honest, the funniest one, because we don't go for humor a lot, but the judgment one, because dude, there is no choice but to judge everything every day 500 times, other people, things, everything around us, and judgment is goddamn funny, but we know how wrong it is. So every Wednesday on Instagram and TikTok, we do Judgment Wednesday where we like say what we're judging. And we're like, we know judgment's wrong because it's all about us, but it feels so right sometimes. So it's very interesting uh, episode. I like that one a lot. I love that. So I want to bring it back to the boundaries though. And so I think uh, something that you brought up really quickly is that you guys were able to pivot right really easily. And I think that's when something, when you're able to pivot so easily, you know you're in the flow, right? You know you're doing the right thing. You know you're doing it with the right people. And and it doesn't always happen, right? You could have you could have jumped in and been like, okay, we're going to start another thing, but everyone was too wound up and they had, you know, especially since you said you're a planner, that it didn't go as well. So I love that. Like that just like screams, you are in the right spot, right? You're in the right spot. That's the problem with the old Lisa. Before retirement, it was like, no, we said we're going to do this. This is what we do. You know, and I'm sure I had the same feelings, even if I didn't say it towards family, where I'd be like, no, every Thanksgiving we do this. No, every Christmas we do this. And then you're just like, huh, once you kind of let go of those expectations, because expectations are the killer of all joy, just like comparison is, um, you just go, oh, I can just go with the flow and just see what happens and ends up, we wouldn't have been in the right state of mind for it. So I'm... Uh, loving to these guys because we're friends now, obviously, but I'm going, oh, you can hear in somebody's voice when it's an uncomfortable thing and they want to sort of shift without, without, by the way, because they are younger, letting them off the hook. So if it was, I don't feel it, I'm just like not into it. I'd be like, suck it up, buttercup. But I could tell in his voice, it was not the time for that. Right, right, which is which is a beautiful thing. Um, so the, the next thing is the judgments, right? We don't we don't love to judge people, but it does happen sometimes. And I'm just going to bring a funny thing up when I was telling you how I was going to introduce you. I used a word, and you're like, "Oh, that's like a Karen word," and I started laughing hysterical because my kids and I will, you know, they'll say, "Oh, mom, that person did a Karen," or yeah. if I, you know, like yeah. I did something recently where. I, the vice principal called me because my kid was late and I was like, okay, well, this is the, you know, and he was like, ooh, you were such a Karen. And I was like, I felt like I had to do it. Like, just stop. You know, like. Sometimes we're all Karen. That's why Karen's universal because that poor, and by the way, poor anyone who actually has the name Karen. I really like, one of my best friends does and she gets so pissed. She's like, how did this happen? I'm so not a Karen. And she's so not a Karen. So it yeah, makes me laugh. really funny because like, I just know what words don't work for me. I, I have always hated because I, I, you know, cancel culture didn't exist when I was doing comedy. And by the way, I, it didn't even exist when I retired. I, I always look around and I'm like, I canceled myself before anybody canceled, I'm canceled, but it doesn't matter because I'm out of business. But I always go, wow, I 
always hate when it's always white mothers. I always pick on white mothers because there's always <laughs> that's really a problematic phrase or oh fucking so they're so precious and I always I, I I know it's terrible but I always had a bit years ago about like I think black moms are so much better than white moms because they fucking tell their kids what's what and you fucking white mothers with oh no he just has this problem and oh let me drive him to school black kid forgets his lunchbox fuck that kid he ain't eating so <laughs> this is years ago when you could joke about racials right but for the most part i just there's some words that just seem to me like they really try to sum up someone's essence but don't really get it so those kind of words kind of crack me up no, and it's so funny when you said that because obviously I am a white mother, and yeah. I will—I definitely do some things um, that are. <laughs> we all do. I—I I act like that when it's a niece or nephew. Like I don't even have kids, and I act like a white mother a lot of the time. So I'm like, damn, I gotta like. <laughs> Well, and the thing that's so funny is I call my kids out on shit, but every once in a while, like this vice principal was like, listen, if you bring in a note, because he has a cast and it's really the reason why we're late is because my older son is driving us to school because he's got his permit and I let him drive us to school and we just need to time it better, but whatever. And I am not some, I don't, I'm not typically late for some reason. And now you guys are getting a little inside of me. We're like two minutes late for school. <laughs> There's such, you know, these schools, I don't know how you guys even do it. It's so annoying. I, I don't even understand why, like, it's so important to go to school. Like, it's so funny. You know, Bill Maher did this great editorial um, a couple weeks ago. Oh, it's a, it's a faulty construct. College is not for everyone. Right. It's a very faulty construct. And it's literally changed. I forget when he said, maybe 40s, 50s, that everybody started to think they had to. And you're less than if you don't. I always said to my brother, I have eight nieces and nephews, brother and a sister. I said, please, I hope one of your kids is a hairdresser. I hope one of your kids is a plumber. I just think you follow what's in your heart. Right. And, versus, and you know, what you think will make you not feel less than. I have a good friend who adopted his nephew because the mother was a drug addict. And this kid feels so bad because he's, quote unquote, in his words, not smart. And he looked at my friend who adopted him and he goes, did you go to college, Uncle Ron? And he's like, no. And this guy, Ron, owns a huge house, great car. Everything's fully paid off. Great job. And I said to the kid, not everybody has the same path. So it's really funny how these schools, man, they act like everything's life or death. If I didn't go to college, man... You think I couldn't have been the most badass insult comic who ever lived like totally. I was? I could have still done it. No, and it's so true. I and mean, that's the thing. You get three latenesses and you get detention. So I'm Here, like this. By the way, it's like, that's just, just so stupid. Stupid. So I, yes. So I wrote a note and she didn't like my note because <laughs> I, no. So then I called her out on it. I was like, you told me to write a note. So I wrote a note and now you're giving me a hard time for the note. I was like, I don't know what you want from me. Like, my kid's not going to get detention, but totally that was like, I usually call them out on their shit. And my, my son was like, mom, the note really wasn't that honest. And I was like, oh, just get out of my car. <laughs> Go to school. I hate when people call us on our stuff. Like, how dare you? That's, what, that's for years. I was the person that everyone was afraid of because of my comedy. So they didn't call me out on shit. And dude, the minute they do, because you get a little softer, Oh, you realize you're doing some 
stuff that's not cute. And then, well, yeah. like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Like, I'm a right. big gossip, yet I accuse everyone else of being a big gossip. And I'm like, <laughs> I just gossiped about them being a gossip. So we're all guilty of all this crap. What everybody doesn't get is nobody's a good, okay, yes. There is a subset of people who are sociopaths and true diagnosed narcissists. Right. That's a diagnosis. Most of us are a combination of good and bad, and some days more bad than good. Right. That's why judgment is so inherent in us. We do it by almost the minute. I am judging everything around me all the time, and sometimes it's not good. So it's a survival technique. I was reading up on it. There was a st study at Harvard that judgment is survival because you have to judge who's walking towards me. Oh my God, is it too dark out? Oh, is that dog going to bite me? Oh my God. So judgment's natural, but when it comes to judging people and circumstances and groups of things and groups of people, we got to then pull it back a notch and go, okay, what is it in me that's wrong with me? Right. Well, right. So that's what I said, because I I also broke a rule. I pulled into the bus loop because I was like, you're not going to be late. I just talked to her yesterday. Like, you're not going to be late the day after I carried her. Like, you're not going to do well, it. But the fact is, you know what? We all feel bad for being late. We all feel bad for breaking a rule. We do it. And then, yeah, then okay. the, the big thing is self-forgiveness. We just go, eh, you know what? I, did, I owned it. I did the wrong thing. Who cares? Calm yeah. down. No, totally. And sometimes I actually am people that know me. I I'd like to break a rule here and there. I, well, not yes. here and there. I, I am a I'm a I'm a rule breaker. I and you know I'm not out like you know where police need to find me. I'm not that kind of rule breaker. But I do. I cut corners in certain things. And so I'll will say to my kids though sometimes I'm like, listen, I know I'm not teaching you this. And so maybe like there's times where I'm like, listen, there's you need to ask questions, right? You need to ask because not everything just because this professor or teacher told you that, and it's not something that we believe in our home, or it's not something you believe, just raise your hand in a very nice way, not rudely. You ask, can you tell me why you believe that? Because that's how also how you learn by asking questions, right? It's such an important thing. But so when my kid said, I said, listen, I got you out of the detention, which I really shouldn't have, but it wasn't really your fault. And he's like, I didn't care about the detention. And he's a good kid. He's never had detention. But I was like, listen, you, you, it's like, gonna you know, I won't have to pick you up later. It's going to inconvenience me. So I got you out of it. Right. I shouldn't have. I did a Karen. And then I broke a rule. And then you called me out on it. I was like, listen, just I, like, like I kind of like that he did that. And oh, also, totally. I think the whole idea of letting kids having detention and get suspended and getting expelled, that's their journey. Right. Like, why are we interrupting everyone's journey? Why are we, if someone's meant to go to rehab or jail or, um, they need to be broken up with because they did the wrong thing again. Or, you know, we can't, like, if I try to correct them, it's like I'm going, well, then that's not, they're not going to learn it because I'm saying it. they have to learn it for themselves. And maybe the jail time is what they need. Maybe the not getting into the college they wanted because of the detentions or suspensions or expulsion. It's just, we always think we can control other people's journeys and we just can't like yeah. with Bo and Nick. I mean, I want them to be able to eventually, the only reason I'm on the podcast, first of all, it's fun. Second, I'm a caretaker and not that it's good, but I want them to be able to quit their day jobs and make money from it. Well, 
somebody on the minimalist podcast said to me, oh, I get it. So you want to get them what made you miserable. And I'm like, wow. So in other words, I'm trying to control their journey by making them be able to quit their job. So I think everybody, we all do it. We're not sinners for it. We no. just have to, you know what? I'm doing my best and I'm going to catch myself and forgive myself. And that's that. Right. No, I totally agree. So Lisa, I love this. I'm going to um, take a second. Do you want to have, we can have people come up and ask questions. That'd be cool. Okay, great. I'm going to first actually read. We have a sponsor. So this show is brought to you by our sponsors, Took Take. Do you always remember to take your meds or your vitamins? Most of us forget sometimes, and it's not really a character flaw. It's just a fact, but there's an easy solution. Took Take. It's a dosage, dosage reminder labels. You take took cake, it can take on everything, liquid sprays, creams, drops, pills. When you take a dose, you just pull it off the side of the thing. It's a notification. It's perfect for kids and pets too. Took Take is made in the USA. Shipping is free. You can go to tooktake.com and use Next Stop for 10% off. And the reason why I love this sponsor is she actually created it out of a breast cancer um, journey. So she created took take because she and she and her husband, they needed to find a system to help her with all the pills. And she is a survivor. She's a cancer survivor. So she created this, this um, product, which I love. So check out tooktake.com and you guys can get your 10% off. So I'm going to bring up our first uh, question. And I love that Michelle Trina is coming up because she is actually a comic right now. So we're going to bring her up and, um, and let her ask a question. Right. Michelle, did you see yourself Hi. up? Oh, there you are. Oh, my God. I love it. Oh, my God, Julie. <laughs> Lisa, I love you. I, I saw you back in like 2000 and, and again in 2003. And I've been you've been one of my like comedian mentors and like motivators. Hey. And watched you on Celebrity Apprentice. Love you. Um, uh, my question is, I love everything that you're doing. It's motivating. Uh, I My question is, what at what point that hustle is hard? I, I'm sure you remember it. Going to open mics trying to sell tickets. That's what I'm trying to do now. It's a hustle and a grind. At what point did you turn around and say this? Mo was there a moment in particular you had in your comedy career where you felt like I could look back and say, oh, here I am now. All that hustle paid off. Was there a specific? Hmm. The, it never seemed like a hustle when I was doing it because it was just so much fun. Right. So that didn't, even when I would sit around the comedy cellar and there'd be the table of all the comics, but then I'd have like two open micers with me who would help me do mailings back in the day. We didn't have the internet. So you just had postcards with, and we put the labels on and the stamps. All that seemed fun because it was leading to something and I believed in myself. So I think it's, Rich Voss gave me great advice. He said, look back every year and say, am I better off and farther along either in my career or in my life than I was last year at this time? And if the answer is yes, then you want to keep going if you're still into it. So I think it's like just kind of looking back and going, do I still love it? Am I still into this? Never look to the audience or the career to make you feel better about yourself because that's what we all do. We all equate audience with love and it's not if dad yeah. if daddy or mommy didn't love us the audience isn't going to make up for that and we're going to be the bottomless pit who looks to get laughs not give laughs i heard a great ted talk once about you know getting laughs versus giving them so that's a good shift to make is like what am i giving to them and it doesn't mean you do material about them it means you 
are open. You really want them to have a good time. You want to deliver good punchlines and jokes because you love them. So you need to be in it for them, not you. So uh, it's a good balance because you want to be a success. You want to make money. You don't want to have a day job forever if you do or whatever. And you just go, okay, a little bit about this can't be, I, it can't be all me, me, me. Cause comedy is way too me, me, me. It's very much like, Hey, I didn't get enough love as a kid. So, or enough attention, or I got too much attention. I have to replicate that in my real life, you know, and I have to, I was overloved or underloved. So <laughs> I think there's, I just kept noticing things were going great. And then I started to notice when I wasn't loving it anymore. So I think become a noticer of your own life. Right. Just notice and take those small moments to go, am I still into this? Because there's no shame in ever walking away. There's no shame in staying it and never being famous. There's no shame in having a hobby. Like I look at the podcast as a hobby. I look at all my other little pursuits as hobbies. So there's no shame in any of it. And there's no one right path. So just see how you feel in your heart every once in a while. And you'll know the answer. Does that make sense? Yes, a hundred percent. And I loving the process, but you know, we all have that dream. So I appreciate your words. They're really motivating. Oh, thanks. And the dream too is <laughs> you can get the feeling of the dream and not the tangible proof of it. So for instance, I could do this podcast for the next 30 years, have two listeners and still have the feeling of warmth love sharing connection i love that so, <laughs> i'm gonna cry <laughs> I, for instance i really admire people who do community theater because they love it those people ain't going anywhere those I, I'm, I'm friends with a whole bunch i had dinner with last night and they're all like let's do mama mia let's do priscilla let's do that they're not, they're not auditioning for broadway they go this is fun so we can all without shame, hit the level where it's supposed to hit and go, wow, isn't it interesting that I can love what I do and not have ego about it? So working on ego is also probably a good thing for every comic to do or every performer, really. I love that. Thank you. It's great. Yay. That was brilliant. Yes. Okay. Michelle, Michelle, thank you so much for asking a question. I love that. And I love the answer that literally I got chills everywhere, Lisa. So Shelby, can you, uh, what, what is your question for Lisa? Hi, Lisa. My name is Shelby, and I was just on a Juliet show uh, last week, um, and I actually am a mom of two kids, teenagers, and um, I'm an inventor. I invented the very first no-show knee-high sock on the market. Yep, Yep, you're probably wondering what the heck that is. But anyway, um, you touched on so many points that I absolutely love and feel, and um, I think the main one is that you said, Jim Carrey said the United States of avoidance and to live in that pain, um, I think is the hardest thing that you can do as a mom, a business owner, a friend, a daughter, a sister, anything. And so I really needed to hear that today. So I first and foremost want to say thank you so much for saying that because it made me realize that it's okay to live in that feeling because you know what? It's part of the journey and it's part of who we are. And if we don't have that, how, how do we know what the good points are? Yeah. And I love that that resonated with you because I was always afraid to feel the sadness. And, you know, of course that comes out as anger or fear or whatever. And it's just like, wow, 
it's just sad. There's sadness. There's a lot of sadness and that's okay. So any feeling is okay. Like there's not negative and positive feelings. So just us allowing those and not trying to hurry them along. You ever notice Shelby, when you put off crying and you're stuffing it down, it lasts way longer when you do get to cry. But then the other times you're just like, I'll let it come out. It's three tears and you're done. So it's just, it's good that you're getting in the practice of it. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's like, you know what? I'm laughing all the time, but there has to be a time where all of a sudden you stop and you go, I really do have to feel this. And it's, I love it. So I guess my question for you is, if you could meet anybody in the world that you've never met, who would you sit on a bench with for five minutes, past, present, future? Who would it be that you would choose to sit with and have a conversation with that you've never met or somebody that maybe from the past that you can't talk to anymore? You're going to love this. I find no one more interesting than I find myself. Ah! (laughs) Yes! Because I'd be like, you are so fascinating and beautiful and pretty and have great glasses. No, I (laughs) I literally don't care about anyone else in the sense of that I I don't think I would want to force anyone into my path. I want to figure out who comes into in and out. It might be nice to sit with someone I've wronged, and uh, but you said never met. It might be someone who has a job that I just don't understand how they do it. Like, you know, a guy who's a sanitation worker. I might want to sit with him and go, dude, like, how do you do it? Thank God for you. On my gratitude list, by the way, which I hate doing, but I do it anyway. Um, <laughs> I often put down garbage collectors because they fucking take my garbage every day. That's a miracle. Like, how do I even thank them enough. So maybe it's someone who just does a job that I don't clearly think is beneath me because no job is beneath anyone. But I'm like, wow, what's in their head? I talk to my gardeners sometimes. I'm not fancy. I don't have gardeners, but like a guy who cuts the lawn and I'll be like, oh God, that's a real person. So I think more or less it's people who do real shit, not these elitist bullshit artists. No, yeah. and I'm Shelby, I have to jump in because I love that. And this is one thing that I say, and this is why I was on a show once and people asked me like, what are things that you really teach your kids? And I'm going to bring it back. And what were you were taught by your, your, your mother and your father. And it was that everyone has a story. Every single person has a story, whether they're their janitor or they're the CEO. We just have to listen because we can learn from every single person. And it's so important because I love that you said that because it is, those are real people that have real stories that actually something they say could really change a thought that you're having, right? And so that, I just wanted to scream. No, I love that because that's when we, that's what the conclusion we came to in the judgment episode was once you hear their story you don't judge them anymore. So for instance, like I said, every Wednesday on TikTok, we'll do this little judgment Wednesday. So like mine yesterday was, or mine today, it's Wednesday, uh, was uh, people who, because I read the obituaries, <laughs> and I, I notice I'm very judgy about the men, but not the women. The women, I'm like always fascinated with their hobbies and going, oh my God, she's so sweet. I bet she was the best. And I always judge the men who say, when they say he was the life of the party, I go, that was a big fucking alcoholic. So I like to put on them. So again, person, I, it was just fun and funny and hear their story. Nick said he judged people who text and drive at the same time. And I'm like, if we heard someone's story, maybe they're on the way 
to a funeral home or a hospital. You know, in other words, it's I so love- So true. As we hear the story, we can stop judging and it's a huge part of life and judgment. So, you know, I'm glad your folks reinstilled that in you. It's beautiful. It's just, and I, and it's always funny because everyone always not teases me, but does their like, you know, I have my list of people from Whole Foods that I send my Christmas cards to. They used to come to my kids' games. I'm always friends with like the people that work at the post office and friends, meaning we just small talk, like, hey, how are you? And and I learn things about them and I love that. And that's one of the reasons why I love this platform. And I realized that and and interviewing because that does that just for me. It's something that really um, it, it it fascinates me. And I've been doing it. My parents said since I was little, they would always turn around and be like, "Oh, she's talking to someone else." It's a joke that's, in our family. That's huge, by the way. That's a gift because my mother had that, and we joked about it at her eulogy because she would drop us off at piano lessons and disappear for two hours because she was my brother. Goes, she was in stop and shop talking to everyone she didn't know. But it is a trait I did not inherit till recently. My sister always had it, and I'd always make fun of my sister, but then I'd secretly envy it because I wasn't like that, you right. know? And I love being more open and hearing people what they're going through. Um, I want to say something really quick. Um, we have two more minutes. What yes. I want to say is if you didn't get a chance to ask me a question, I'm going to be doing a fireside tomorrow, Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern where we're going to talk about the latest episode of Losers with a Dream. Everyone's going to listen to it and we're going to discuss it. This week's episode is on, oh God, last week it was never having enough. So of course now I can't remember what this episode is about, but it came out on Monday. And if anyone wants to join just to talk or ask any question of any subject, I'll be on Fireside 5 p.m. EST Thursday. Yes. And so go over there and RSVP and James, we'll, we'll get you back. Go, you can go over next time. Sorry, we can't get your question because I know we, we have to jump. You want me to get James? Okay. Sorry. Because he's a guy. So guys, I feel so sorry for it because they're so put upon in okay. America. And, they never and, have he's, power. and he's not an American. You're going to love him. I love oh, James. He's got a show. He's got a show on Fireside. He's awesome. So James, unmute yourself and definitely ask your question. Yes. Hey. I don't know what was going on there. It's something really strange. I couldn't see anyone on stage, um, including myself. Um, so Lisa, I'm a big fan. Uh, loved your roasts. Um, we were a big fan and obviously you did the Apprentice Celebrity stuff as well. Um, my wife's going to be super jealous because I'm getting to talk to you. Um, I just want to know, which was your most favorite roast to do? Right. Well, they're all really hard. This is what people don't get. When you're roasting someone who's known for a few characteristics that everyone seizes on. Like if you're roasting Pam Anderson, they're all going to talk about her body or Tommy Lee or the video on the boat. So you have to really, if they would always put me last because all the guys would complain about having to follow me. So fuck those. <laughs> anyway, um, they would go, um, you have to really dig deep for other things about these people so you can make fun. So it's a lot of work, but I would say, some one of the funnest ones only because and literally make or break is if the subject of the roast can take a joke and is a team player flavor flave might have been the nicest guy i maybe met him for two seconds he laughed at every joke he had this openness and this warmth about every joke and i just felt like wow that makes it fun so i learned a lot about that when i had to be roast master a few things and i said wow that that really felt alive and good. So that was one of my favorites. Also, there's a lot to make fun of about Flavor Flav. I mean, <laughs> so 
looks like beef jerky in a tracksuit. I mean, it's not cute. So it really <laughs> is dependent a lot about who it's about. And again, a really good one too, because he was very open and to the jokes were David Hasselhoff, because David Hasselhoff does not take himself seriously, at least not in public. Like he's like, all bets are off, make fun of anything you want. And I was like, oh, that guy, that guy's good. So yeah, there's a just general vibe when you know it's sort of the right tone, if you know what I mean. So yeah, thank That's you for being a fan and tell your wife I said hi. The David Hasselhoff one was our favorite. Like, ah! that was, that, it's actually, that was the one that we love the most because he did, he, even on TV, like he came across like he was just having a ball. So um, and I think if you're going to get people to go on and be roasted, yeah, I think it should be a prerequisite that they're open to anything. Yeah, it helps to have a sense of humor and know what you're getting into. And, you know, some of them do it for charity, which I think is admirable, but you also have to have the stomach for it. And you just got to know you're going to get hit hard. I think it's an honor to be roasted because we only, quote unquote, roast the ones we love. But some of them had a little bit of a, you know, the cringy. And I'm like, oh, that wasn't as fun for us. And also, you just got to know what you're in for. So do I miss doing it? No. Would I do it again? Only for, I, 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 people always say, would you ever do a roast again? How much would it take for you to come out of retirement? And I said, it would be literally Howard Stern would have to ask me to do it. It'd have to be a million dollars going to the Animal League of America, which is the best charity in the world where I got one of my doggies and the other one homeless and adopted. And um, sometimes you just have to do things for the money for the kid, for the kids. I love that. And James, thank you for asking that. But I do have to say, I know you said that you don't miss it, but how you lit up just talking about it right now. Well, because I have no shame about my past. And I did have shame for a bit when I retired going, "Uh oh, these jokes are so not woke. And oh my God. And, you know, did I hurt feelings? I think ever since I like came out and said, look, if I hurt an individual's feelings, like I literally would have a discussion with them. Like we could talk about it. I could apologize because I'm all about apologizing now. Thank God. Yeah, well, I wasn't always, but now I am. And I go, oh, when you take the shame out of it, because shame doesn't help anything. It just keeps you stuck in. <gasps> um, it kind of feels like those were funny, silly days. And again, noticing when that funny silliness is something you're in too long and that that dissipates. Right. Um, yeah. And, and you were really good at it. I mean, you really were the flavor flavor one <laughs> as, as I, I mean, I, I don't know if you've noticed a couple of times I've laughed, but I could have laughed for like 20 more, more minutes. Like my laugh, I had to try to like hold it because it cuts you off sometimes when you're talking. So I'm trying right. not to laugh too, too hard, which has been really difficult. That's why I'm like real squirmy in my seat. Oh. Um, so at least I just have to say thank you because I love everything that you have done. I love this journey. I love, as I said, I've listened to the podcast. You guys are definitely doing some really great things. And so I just want to say thank you for joining YNS Live and Fireside. Uh, so I would love for you to tell everyone, I think I said love 35 times uh-huh. there, um, <laughs> but I really, really do, where they can find you. So like on TikTok, what's your name? Yes, I, 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 I'm, like I said, I'm, the 60 year old on TikTok. I literally, what's so funny about it is I resented the fact I had to do it. Now I freaking love it. It's so dumb. So we're at losers with a dream on TikTok. 
So follow us because we put out like some meaningful content, but also some funny, dumb stuff too. And because we're comics, or at least I'm a former comic and they're comics. We have to be funny. You always will be a comic. Thank you. On TikTok. Also, the podcast is called Losers with a Dream. It's everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Um, And again, I will be, I'm Lisa Lampanelli on social media, but feel free tomorrow night, 5 p.m. EST. Uh, Fireside. We'll do a little discussion of this week's Losers with a Dream episode and the issues that come up. So it should be fun. Awesome. Awesome. Well, again, thank you everyone in the audience. Uh, AJ, Sarah, Shelby, Jen, Mark, Alfonso, Shannon, Michelle, Lily, JB, and uh, any and Daniel, everyone else that was in and out of the show. And thank you for jumping up and asking your questions, guys. That was really fun because I get to, you know, it's it's nice when we have people that want to engage, it's another reason why I love Fireside because it's a cool way just to have people come up and, and ask questions and, and get to know you a little bit better. So um, thank you again, Lisa Lampanelli. Oh, oh, thank you. You're the best. I really appreciate all the love. And, you know, I love the interaction too. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 